Peacock delivers. And Allen drives this one deep to right field. Springer going back. See you later. Indians win it in the bottom of the 14th. Greg Allen with a walk-off home run. This is another Astros podcast. Yesterday's ball game, tough to get over, but it's kind of nice, I guess, to, to come into New York and play a day game so you don't have to sit around and think about the, the series kind of getting away from you in Cleveland? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I don't look at it that way. I think it's you're just playing the schedule. I mean, we we you can carry baggage into the next series, and it never helps you, ever. So, you know, whether it's guys swinging the bat or pitching or, or wins and losses, if you carry that baggage into the next into the next series, you're doing a disservice to the, to the current series. So we quickly got over it. I mean, it is what it is. We played a great game and, yeah. and, and came up a little bit short. And whoever lost that game was going to have that feeling after the game of, of, of one that got away. So uh, move on to a new team. We've got a big challenge ahead, and we need all of our attention to be on, you know, Judge and Stanton and the boys. It's never hard to get up for the Yankee series, especially in New York. It is. It's nice. I mean, this is a great place to play. We have a ton of memories here. Every time I walk in this office, I will remember the 2015 wild card game was one of my one of my big moments in in my career that I that I will always remember. And, and, And certainly the hard fought battle last year. Yankee Stadium in general will bring some accountability to the jobs that you do and the play for the players and the coaches. Great atmosphere. It's a holiday. Uh, should be a nice crowd. It should be a good game. And Memorial Day is always special <clears throat> in a baseball player's life. You get out here and you get a chance to reflect in in honor those who died in the military in the in the United States. Yeah, and, and it's you know we especially for all of us. I mean, your whole life on Memorial Day is spent at a ballpark. My whole life has been at the ballpark. I mean, it's all I ever remember is is putting on the uniform or or playing a game or from little league to high school to to college to to now. It's um, baseball and Memorial Day are, are partners all the time, and for us to be able to, you know, put on a little camo, you know, give give a hat tip to the to those that serve and make our life better is uh, is the least we can do. Hey, in your wildest dreams, can you imagine ever getting ten hits in a row? <laughs> and Altuve smacks one left side, past the dive of Lindor, and in the left field, around third and coming home and scoring easily is Springer, and we're tied at three. Hits in ten consecutive at bats. For Jose Altuve. Who goes 10 for 10? Nobody goes 10 for 10 but Altuve. He's the hit machine and he ties the ball game for the Astros. I mean, 10 hits in a month would have been good. 10 <laughs> hits in, over the course of a lot of games. But, um, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to describe because we, I don't want to say we expect it because we should never expect it out of a, out of a major league player like that. Um, but there's no one surprised that Jose is going to roll off that many hits. And um, what a great hitter. And certainly when he gets on the roll, I mean, it, um, I was so happy when Bregman walked yesterday because they couldn't just simply walk Altuve. That's what they were going to do. Yeah. So um, he comes up big. He's a he's a catalyst for us. And it's fun to watch. What does he talk about before he gets on the on-deck circle when he's on the, one of those rolls? Or is he just like kind of hop up there? You know, he, he's, he's always talking about what the pitcher uh, is going to do to him. You know, he spends a lot of time debating with Correa on how, how they're going to get pitched. And yeah. um, he's got some nervous energy to him on the on-deck circle. Like it's, you know, he, he wants to be prepared. He never feels like anything's good enough or that he's prepared enough. So uh, mostly it's about pitches. And, uh, but you can tell when, he, when he's not getting hits um, – 
you know, it, it's it's a rarity, and, and he grinds on himself. When he does get hits, he might grind even more because he's he loves that feeling so much. I want to take you past the game today, and the Rockets get a chance to to maybe go to the NBA Finals if they win tonight. Uh, you want to say anything about that, or the Rockets team? Yeah, no, I mean, best of luck to them. We'll be watching them playing a day game. We'll, mm-hmm. we'll all be glued to the TVs tonight. Game 7 brings back a lot of memories in Houston. We... We won two game sevens on our way to, to the first world championship in baseball. We would love for them to uh, close it out in game seven, get to the Cavs in the next series, and continue making Houston proud. All right, AJ, thanks a lot. You got it. Back with more Astro Lunch right after this. The Houston Astros Radio Network. 3-1. And Springer drills this one pretty deep to left center field, and you can kiss that one goodbye. Robert Ford. Steve Sparks. And this is big boy baseball. This is the Houston Astros Radio Network. Welcome back. Robert Ford joined by Jeff Blum, Astros television broadcaster. You were away this weekend in Cooperstown. You got to play in the Hall of Fame Classic, which has uh, players from every major league team, and you were representing the Astros, all former players, getting a, a chance to, to play a game. I mean, that just had to have been a blast. I'm sure you saw a lot of people that, that you played with and against. Oh, absolutely. Uh, it, it was a great mix of guys. You know, Clint Barmas, an ex-Astro, was out there. I played against him a ton when he was with Colorado. Terrence Long was hitting in front of me with Craig Monroe. Uh, just great talents, great guys, and I think that's probably what made it a little more special was that these guys were so good. But again, I had no idea this thing even existed until Reed Ryan called me about a month ago and asked me to go on this trip, and I am incredibly thankful that I did. Now, you, had, you hadn't played since 2012. I know you posted some videos on Instagram of you hitting off a tee, getting, getting ready for this. How much of it was fun just getting ready to play a game again, and how much of it was Wow, it's, it's been a little while. It, I knew it, it, it had been a while. And yeah. the funny thing is, that when you hear from fans, you hear from friends and family, what, you know, do you pick up a bat since you retired? I said, heck no, because <laughs> this game is too hard. I go, it was very humbling to play it at the peak of my career, but now trying to get back into it, re-understanding how hard this game is. It was a lot of fun to test yourself a little bit in that sense and be challenged, but at the same time, it, it was an eye-opener to step in that box and see Jeremy Guthrie throwing about 90 miles an hour. It was a lot faster than I remember. Yeah, that seems a little unfair that you had to face Jeremy Guthrie I mean he was playing what a couple of years ago and uh, I'm sure probably still throws about about 90 or so pretty good pretty good big league pitcher but you got a hit off of him I did I ambushed a fastball because I was getting it ready <laughs> extremely early and luckily it was in the zone because I did not want to get to the other stuff because yeah he's throwing at least 90 miles an hour had a couple of sliders mixed in there I saw a split from him but it's, it's always entertaining to see when you get these guys even though it's a fun game and we understood that you dig in and all of a sudden it goes right back to I got to get the barrel of the baseball and I'm sure the pitchers in the same sense were I better not get beat so they they were mixing it up pretty good so the competitive juice is kicked in right away absolutely it always does and that's the funny thing we're all down the line kind of stretching going ah this hurts ah that and all of a sudden the ball's put in play guys are laying out making some good plays Johnny McDonald was Mm -hmm. playing shortstop for us and it looked like he hadn't missed a beat so uh, there was there was some competitive vibes out there big time now, if I read correctly, your manager was Raleigh Fingers. Is that right? Yep. Raleigh Fingers was out there. Uh, Goose Gossage was the third base coach for the opposing team, so I had plenty of conversations with him down the line. Ozzie Smith was the opposing manager. Um, uh, Gaylord Perry was out there. Eddie Murray was out there. Wow. So most of the fun was just having the conversation with these Hall of Famers who were treating us just like equals. So when was the last time you were in Cooperstown? 1994. And it was, I think we were on a trip playing the Oneana Yankees, mm-hmm. and we all pulled our money together, uh, rented a car, drove down for the day. But it, it is, it, it's completely changed. It's updated. It's phenomenal. The, uh, the, the, you know, the resources they have to get the amount of equipment and uh, memorabilia they have is unbelievable. And what an experience. 
So you got to do, I think they called the White Glove Tour, right? Where oh, yeah. you get to see, because what's seen in the actual Hall of Fame is just a fraction of what they actually have. And you can do the White Glove Tour where you put on the white gloves and get to touch and, and see some of the, the stuff that's not uh, on display for the public. Yeah, no, they took us down in the archives. They brought, they brought out some of the uh, bats, some of the catcher's masks that they used back in the day, some of the gloves, uh, which is remarkable, those catching gloves that just have yeah. that little dot in the middle of the glove where they had to two-hand it. So I don't understand how catchers even made it this far. Yeah. Uh, but we got the, one of the cool things is that we got to hold uh, Ted Williams' bat, and it's mm -hmm. much lighter than I would have imagined. He was probably one of those guys that was way ahead of the game mentally mm -hmm. and uh, in, in his approach and how to manipulate the bat. So it was kind of interesting to hold you know, a bat that was used for greatness like Ted Williams. Did you ever donate anything to the Hall of Fame when you were playing? <laughs> you had to ask, didn't you? But, uh, yeah, there, there were a couple of pieces in there. I actually, uh, in uh, 1996, I was in AA with Harrisburg. And we were playing a throwback game in, in honor of the Negro League. So we were wearing Negro, Negro League uniforms. And I happened to hit for the cycle in that game. Wow. And so that bat, there was some, a representative from the Hall of Fame. They took that bat. Unfortunately, it was just a bootleg pro stock bat. Had no name <laughs> on it or anything. They took that. But uh, the obvious answer to your question is 2005, yes. I got to hold my bat. And they would not let me put my hands on it. I had to white glove my World Series home run bat from 2005. <laughs> That's how you know it's been a little while. Jeff yeah. Blum. I'm Astros television broadcaster. Thanks so much for joining us. Glad you had that opportunity in Cooperstown. No, I appreciate it. It was a blast. And if anybody gets a chance, get up there and see it. They've got great display and a huge 2017 World Series memorabilia for the Houston Astros. Great stuff. This is the Houston Astros Radio Network.